Welcome to another episode of The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News. I'm joined by the two lead reporters on the Trump investigation, John Santucci and Matt Mosk. We're going to be talking later to Jane Sherburn, former special counsel to Bill Clinton. She was in charge of defending the White House during a fierce congressional investigation 20 years ago. So she's going to shed some insights on that for us. But before that, we want to get an update from our senior congressional correspondent, Mary Bruce, about what battles lie ahead here on Capitol Hill. A brand new analysis in The Washington Post shows the White House is blocking 20 separate congressional investigations by filing lawsuits, stopping aides from testifying, refusing dozens of requests for documents, stonewalling on a scale that Democrats say amounts to a constitutional crisis. Mary, Congress is taking this to a whole new level. Let's hear what Adam Schiff had to say about this over the weekend. Look, we are going to have to consider other remedies like inherent contempt, where if the courts take too long, uh, we use our own judicial process within the Congress. What do you think, Mary? Are we in a constitutional crisis? Well, that's certainly what Democratic leaders think. I mean, you have Nancy Pelosi saying this is a constitutional crisis. You have the chairman of the Judiciary Committee now saying that's what he thinks we are in. And they say that because they feel that this administration, according to them, is blatantly stonewalling the requests for information. You see that, you know, top to bottom, the president has made a blanketed point of saying that they're not going to they're not going to play ball. They're not going to comply with any requests for subpoenas, anyone that they want to talk to, any documents. That's it. Um, and you see this sort of ratcheting up of the tension between congressional Democrats and the White House to the point that you are at a boiling point. The question then is, what are they going to do about it? Um, and I asked the speaker last week, OK, well, if this is a true constitutional crisis, why then aren't we seeing a march to impeachment? Because Democrats are kind of stuck in some ways. They don't want to go to impeachment, even though you do have many even members of the Democratic caucus saying that that needs to be done. But they also want to show that they are responding somehow to what they feel is the, the president's refusal to play ball. So now the question is, well, what are they going to do? What comes next? Don't the Republicans have an argument and the White House have an argument? You got the report. You got a 430 page. Now you're going to make a crisis over 6% of the report. Isn't that a silly fight for the Democrats to make? Well, they certainly don't think so. I mean, obviously, both sides have the, their arguments that they're making. Democrats feel that they have a right, a constitutional right, to fulfill their oversight authority, and that in order to do that, they want to see the full, unredacted report and the underlying evidence. And part of the reason, you know, yes, Bill Barr put out a redacted version, and yes, some uh, members of Congress have been able to take a look at a less redacted version. That's not enough for Democrats. Um, they say they have a right to see the full thing. And they, of course, have additional questions because of the way that the attorney general has handled this and the way that they feel that he has compromised uh, his independence from the administration. But I think also adding wood to the fire, it's not just the Mueller report that they're asking questions about. Sure. They're asking for the tax returns. They're asking questions about how security clearances are handled at the White House. I think Mueller is obviously the shiny star that focuses on, but correct me if I'm wrong, all of the other inquiries the Democrats have opened and have asked questions this White House on, it's been, uh, 
nah, we're not going to comply. And it's such a good point because it isn't just the Mueller report. It's everything. And remember, the Hill is investigating. I mean, you've got more than a dozen committees looking into this administration in one form or another. So it is. It's about the president's tax returns. It's about uh, the family business ties. It's about, you know, you name it, go on and on and on. This is a very long list of things that Democrats want to get a look at. And remember, it's not just Democrats here. You know, you have some Republicans who are also asking for a lot of information, asking to speak to people. Don Jr. comes to mind. The Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee asking to speak with the president's son. Uh, and the fact that the White House has just said, full stop, we're not going to give you anything, uh, is what is ratcheting up the tension. I have a question for you, Mary, which is, why is this moving so slowly? These requests sort of took a long time to come. They came one at a time. They were with written letters and then follow-up letters and then finally a subpoena. We're not going to see our first court fight until this week, right? The first entry into the judicial system starts this week. It does feel like it's inching along. And that's not just all of us who are here who are covering every little twist and turn. It's because they're laying the legal groundwork, right? So when you ask a lot of these committees, like, what's the holdup, guys? Just, you know, you know where this is heading. Let's just go ahead and get there. Um, It's because uh, I think privately many of them will confess and admit that this is that they are laying the legal groundwork so that they when they turn to a judge, they can say, look, we did everything we could to get all of this information. We made all of these requests. We tried, you know, X, Y, and Z to get what we were looking for. It didn't work. That's why we're now But there the is a route. clock on this whole process, is there not? Well, there's an election, right? A political clock or a actual a, TikTok yeah, clock? Yeah, yeah a political both. clock. A yeah, political of course, of course. You know, Democrats feel that they want to make some headway on this uh, as voters go to make their next decision. Uh, Republicans, for them, this is also a, a political game, right? And, and Democrats also have to be careful in how they play this or overplay this, right? They want to make sure that they can get the information that they want, that they're being aggressive in their investigations. But they know that a lot of Americans, a lot of voters, this is not the top of their mind. So Democrats also have to, at the same time, show that they are making some progress on their agenda. They want to be talking about healthcare and education and the environment and all of those things while also pursuing these investigations. That's easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking later with Jane Sherburn. And, you know, back during the Clinton days, I think Dave Bossy or even Barbara Comstock, both of them were all saying they they overreached. And look what happened. Clinton, Clinton benefited from the overreach. And now, even quoting Barbara Comstock, she was on this podcast talking about, like, the inherent contempt. Yeah. Let's go back and listen to a little bit of that episode. Most people aren't familiar with inherent contempt, but that's when you actually have the sergeant of arms go get the person. So say if they wanted to go get Don McGahn, bring him in to the House floor. They try him at the bar, it's called. Mm-hmm. So you would have to like stop Congress, have a trial on the House floor of him being in contempt, and then you have to decide if the, if the sergeant at arms can jail him somewhere, either within Is the there a jail in Congress? This is inherent contempt. You can yeah. only do it during the Congress. And imagine the uproar of When's doing the last that? time we've yeah, seen something that. like That's that? That's in the early 1900s or so. The Congressional Research Service has done reports on this. We used to joke about doing this in the 90s. Nobody ever considered doing it. <laughs> And this actually may happen. Well, they certainly aren't ruling it out. And inherent contempt, what that means is, well, first of all, that sound is, you know, all of Washington dusting off these old uh, rules and regulations, because this is something that hasn't been used in over 80 years. And it would give Congress the authority to fine witnesses, but also to 
imprison them. Now, do I think that Gerald Nadler is right now, you know, roaming around with handcuffs in the basement of the Capitol looking for places to hold the attorney general? Probably not. But just the fact that people are even talking about this is pretty astounding. Uh, They could go ahead and, and impose some fines. But does that do anything? Is that really going to make, you know, any of these witnesses that they're after more likely to comply and say, oh, okay, you know, you, you've slapped me well, with this. Twenty twenty five thousand dollars a day. I mean, yeah. but I would argue that it just plays right into Donald Trump's hand. I mean, he and there's he, a real risk of that. Yeah. I mean, that's going to people in America are going to say, what the hell is going on? In well, Washington. and that's the thing. You have the Democratic base that's pushing for some kind of action. They want to see uh, Democratic leaders holding this administration accountable. But Democratic leaders are also very well aware that this would completely backfire and just boost the president politically. Mary, walk us through, if you can, just a little bit about this first court hearing this week, because th- this is going to be the first battle. This is uh, the president's legal team, the Trump Organization legal team versus the House Oversight Committee. And it's regarding um, documents from the firm that prepared Donald Trump's uh, tax returns, other information mm-hmm. for so many years. Every time that any of these committees is going to want to do something now, this is sort of going to be the new standard operating procedure that they're going to get stonewalled and they're going to have to go fight this out in court. Yeah. This definitely sets the tone, right, for how this is going to play out. And despite inherent contempt, despite all the other measures that they're going to take, let's be perfectly honest here. I think we all know that the courts is where all of these fights are headed. That means Democrats have to pick and choose and play carefully, right? Which ones are you going to let get to that point? Which ones are you going to let just fall by the wayside and say, you know, that's not really worth it? Um, Because this is a lengthy, costly process if you're going to be duking out everything in court. And to Matt's point... It's not going to happen very quickly, right? So as you as you, that clock is ticking, you well, know, how it, do you make those decisions? It does seem like they were strategic in this being the first one up in the sense that we're talking about not people who have personal investments in the outcome. We're talking about the banks. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the accountants, professionals who were working for the Trump organization. But th- these banks do not want to Uh, see themselves held in contempt. They're not ready to go to jail for the Trump administration. They just are looking to turn over what they're being asked to turn over. And it is a strategic play, right? They're not going straight into someone in the president's inner circle and trying to draw them out in a legal fight. They're going to someone that's in the periphery, right? But very key information that Democrats are looking for, but not necessarily someone that's, you know, in the president's close inner circle, not a member of his family that they're dragging. And, and who's sort of that person within the Democratic Party? Is that Nancy Pelosi who's playing this game of chess and choosing which puzzle piece they're going to go with first? I mean, who, who sort of deals with saying, OK, this is the one we're going to put our yeah, money this on? This is all strategic. Right. That yes, Nancy Pelosi is driving uh, this train very much. But you do have all of these different committees, all with different interests, and they have to make sure that they're working together. That's not easy, right? All of these uh, chairmen, all of these committees want to have right their day in the spotlight. They want what they're looking for, and there is a lot of overlap. But yeah, Democrats are doing a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that they are coordinating this, that they are playing this the way that they want to have this ultimately play out. But. That's tough. you got a lot of different players with a lot of different priorities here. And speaking of someone who may have been off the reservation, I mean, the subpoena that came for Donald Trump Jr., I mean, do we still understand 
how and why that happened? Do you it was have any? really surprising. I mean, he did come up and speak before. He had offered, you know, as, as Santucci has reported, he had offered to answer any further questions in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's surprising because, of course, you're talking about Chairman Burr, a Republican, who's deciding, no, look, they need to give this another go. Don Jr., of course, was a key player in a lot of uh, these critical moments. He was in that Trump Tower meeting with the Russian lawyer. He was part of those negotiations over building a possible Trump Tower in Moscow. Are they going to see him? It doesn't seem likely. The question then becomes, well, what does the committee do about it? They could vote to hold him in contempt as well. That's not likely to pass in the Republican-controlled Senate. And even if it did, is this attorney general really going to follow through and uphold contempt charges against the president's son? No. I don't think so. Mm -mm. But keep in mind that Burr is not up for re-election. This is, um, he's able to make this kind of move politically without facing the kind of backlash. And so was it a shot across the bow of Donald Trump saying, watch yourself or? I think so. So if Donald Trump Jr. is not likely to appear before the Senate committee, we've talked a lot in this podcast about the potential for show hearings to be part of this Congress and that and that high-profile hearings with high-profile people potentially is part of the Democratic strategy to build public support for whatever comes next. If not Don Jr., who do you see as the next up, the one that's going to draw a lot of attention that we're all going to want to watch? Mueller, if they, if and when they can get him. Um, also, show hearings. I can't believe you think that Washington would ever have show <laughs> hearings. Um, that's, that's my shorthand. That's a lot of sarcasm. Uh, yeah, Mueller's the next big bombshell hearing that they want. Um, they've given him until the 23rd to respond. It seemed the two sides were talking, right? Things were going along well. You had the attorney general say he wasn't going to stand in the way. And then the president fired off some tweets that didn't go over so well. But the status of these negotiations, I think all of Washington is saying, what's the holdup? Why is this taking so long? You have some top Democrats who think that the president is trying to block this. Um, but the fact that the attorney general has said publicly that he's not going to uh, raises a lot of questions of, you know, when is Mueller going to come in? Important to remember Mueller right now is still on the Justice Department payroll, but that will not last forever. So once he's a private citizen, he can do whatever he wants. Mary, thank you very much. Thanks, gang. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to have former Clinton special counsel Jane Sherburn, who's going to talk to us about her time when she defended a White House during congressional investigations. Welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Vlasto, back with Matt Mosk and John Santucci. And in my keeping with inviting everyone I know from my Clinton days on this podcast, I welcome Jane Sherburn, who is special counsel at the White House for President Clinton for three years, Jane? Yes, or three years. Yes. Three years. It seemed like eight, but... but because <laughs> I felt like I was always talking to you during those times. And we're having you on because I think there are – we've had Barbara Comstock on. We've had Dave Bossie on. We've had John Podesta on. And I do think that was the last time there was a major political investigation battle going on against the – you know, with the executive branch and the legislative branch fighting each other. When you look at the battles happening now in the Trump administration, what's what's your opinion? Well, my first observation is that I I wish the precedent that they're trying to set had been available when I was managing these 
matters for the Clinton White House. Uh, just saying no and stonewalling Congress was not something that was in our lexicon. Uh, we understood that there was a legitimate oversight function that Congress had, and we tried to work things out. And it, sometimes it was difficult. Sometimes it was complicated. Uh, sometimes we didn't succeed. Uh, but for the most part, that was something that we were, we were really trying hard to do consistently. Except at the time, the Clinton White House did use privilege, right? You use privilege to either delay investigations or, or felt you were justified in using privilege, no? Occasionally, but it was very limited and very narrow, and we worked it out. I remember one time we had invoked uh, privilege in connection with some handwritten notes that the president had made, and it was the Senate Whitewater Committee that wanted to wanted to see the notes, and we arranged for an in-camera review of the notes. Uh, you know, you work it out. Is my point. You don't want to create a constitutional crisis. You don't want to have to litigate this sort of thing because you never know what kind of case goes forward and is it going to create bad law if it's a bad case. Uh, so you really do try try and work it out. And I had the impression that that's what the Justice Department was trying to do with the House Committee uh, and. Somehow those discussions broke down, and they issued the subpoena. So do you think we're in a constitutional crisis right now? Well, if they're really serious about stiffing Congress on all of these document requests and subpoenas and requests for witnesses, yeah, I think that's a constitutional crisis. It's, it's a flagrant uh, abuse and obstruction of a legitimate constitutional prerogative of the legislative branch. They have an oversight function. And it's not just, you know, the Mueller report that's at issue. It's investigations into uh, the government's response to the hurricane in Puerto Rico. It relates to uh, taking the citizenship question and putting that on the, on the census. It relates to a, a whole range of, of issues. It's a blanket, no, we're not doing it. And, yeah, I think that constitutes a constitutional crisis. Well, and I think, you know, we were talking about this earlier with Mary Bruce about, to your point there, it is so widespread. Is there anything that, you know, if you were the lawyer right now, I, I don't think you would go sign up to join the Trump administration. But but if you Correct. were, um, <laughs> is there any of their moves of dodgeball that you could agree with? Are there some things that you do think have been an overstep of this Congress so far? I think Congress needs to pick and choose these battles very carefully. Um, the unredacted Mueller report, I don't think that's the right battle, frankly. Um, I don't think the redactions are that substantial. I think there is so much in that report that is terrifying and frightening and evidence of obstruction on the part of the president and interference in our election process on the part of the Russians that what what is redacted adds only incrementally in a very small way to the vast information amount of information that is already quite damning in that report. So I wouldn't have picked that battle what if would I you were Congress. Uh, I think getting testimony of Mueller, that, that's, that that might be uh, 
one that I would pick. I think some of the financial records, uh, you know, this case about the accountant records, mm-hmm. that one will be an interesting I wanted to interesting ask you test. about that case, actually, because that's entering the court system really this week, and we're going to see uh, the first signs of that one out of the gate. Can the Democrats in Congress request financial records of the president? Do they have to have a basis beyond just the political interest or curiosity? What what would justify a request for a president's personal financial records? Well, I think if if they're put in issue in an investigation, they they may be relevant. Uh, if the president has said, for example, that he uh, has he he claims all the time that he can't produce these records because they're they're audited that's been years and years and years what's all that about is that audit function being performed properly if it's taking this long to review his records uh, you know i i don't know there are others who are have done a lot more work on developing arguments and explanations for this than than i have but yeah i think there can be a legitimate basis for making that request. And if these, if the court agrees that the Congress has this function and rules that these documents need to be produced or the witnesses need to be produced in this particular case, is that game over or will the, does, does the White House have the opportunity to fight every one of these requests one at a time? I think it depends how they, there's some talk of trying to bundle these problems and issues into one piece of litigation. I don't know how well that would work. Mm-hmm. I think the White House would have an opportunity to, you know, hit them serially. I think that's part of the strategy. Uh, and uh, that that may or may not work. If you can get different judges in different courts, then you get things that start going up on appeal and end up in the Supreme Court, which is uh, generally now more favorable to strong executive branch. Uh, that could be where they're headed. But don't you worry, I said earlier in the broadcast that during the Clinton days, it backfired on the Republicans for how much they investigated. There were, I don't know, 12 investigations going on then, Filegate, you know, I can't even remember half of them, and I covered all of them. And and it helped President Clinton in some ways. Uh, I think the American people looked at and said, what the hell is going on in Washington? Don't you worry that's the same thing that's going to happen to the Democrats here? I, I do worry about that. I, I, my own view is that the Democrats should, should make the points that it's clear, I think as Nancy Pelosi said, that the president is trying to goad them into impeachment because he sees that to his advantage. And so when they're not being goaded and they're pretty consistently saying, you know, I don't think we're going to go down that road. He throws down another gauntlet, and he's making it almost impossible for them not to respond in some way because he's threatening the separation of powers in the way that he is. And so, so I think it's a, I think it's, uh, I think he's using investigations quite differently than the Clinton administration. I mean, look, look at what we're talking about. I mean, you you remember these the, the, the sort of trivial issues. True. I mean, I always refer to my tenure as as presiding over the the fake scandals. Uh, <laughs> you know, these these amounted to nothing. 
Uh, you ask anybody what Whitewater was about, no one can even tell you. Well, that's true, um, except maybe me. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, I'll challenge you. <laughs> there you go. But, but it is Barbara Comstock, who you battled a lot of those times there on a lot of these investigations, though, was on the podcast, and she brought up, and I had never even heard of this, this inherent contempt and they actually thought about it during the clinton days and said no this is crazy we're not they wouldn't even go that far now i think it's is it nadler Schiff and nadler Nadler said that this could be a probability couldn't that like blow up in their face yeah i think i think that would be a huge mistake and i i i hope they're not seriously contemplating it 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 was interesting i remember the notion coming up in the clinton years when we were looking at uh, what happens if we actually resist some production request or a subpoena? And there was some concern that this inherent contempt could be invoked. And uh, but but it was never it never went that far. And I th- I think that would be a huge mistake. I think what the what the Democrats in Congress should do now pick and choose those battles that very carefully about what they need to do to preserve the their oversight authority and then they have the Mueller report they have the same exact information that Barr says he relied on to conclude that there was no obstruction so that means according to the Justice Department the information to make some conclusion about obstruction is in that record that they have and so why not get Mueller up there to testify I would focus very heavily on the first part of the Mueller report, the Russian interference. You think that's more significant than the obstruction part? In terms of impeachment? In terms of impeachment, heavens no. no. Okay. But but in terms of threats to democracy in America and, and how our system of, uh, uh, you know, uh, democratic elections is supposed to operate, yeah, I think that's a terrible threat. And I think it's 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 been lost and I think they could use a hearing with Mueller to focus on that and then I would focus on on issues related to why it matters to be a truth teller why telling the truth is important we've become numb inoculated to to lying in this country and to have Mueller who lays out lies in great detail in his report talk about the lies I think would be, you know, could be powerful. Then I wouldn't waste time with Barr. I wouldn't waste time with McGahn. I would move as quickly as possible to a censure motion and just So you don't think there's enough for impeachment? I think there's plenty for impeachment. Really? But I think that's, that's that's a mistake for the reasons that you say, Chris. I think it would, I think it would backfire. But I don't think the Democrats can just let this lie. I think they have to respond in some in some way. So let, let's just say um, that doesn't happen. Let's say that we do move towards impeachment. How, in your experience, how does a White House, if they were functioning properly, how would a White House deal with impeachment hearings? How would they staff up? How would they adjust? How, how do, do things sort of pivot in the West Wing if that's something that we would see happen here? Well... For better or for worse, I had left the Clinton White House before the impeachment proceedings started. And I know that they had a team of lawyers that was devoted exclusively to dealing with those issues. And, you know, of course, you're, 
developing and uh, nurturing relationships that you have on the Hill, and you're trying to make sure that you've got, you know, factual records down. You're trying to understand the difference between what you're representing personally on the part of the president and what is a White House, uh, you know, office of the president kind of issue. It's very, it's very complicated, but that means that you need to be working closely with the president's personal counsel as well as White yeah, House well, lawyers. David Bossie said that this White House is not ready no. for it. He, 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 he was saying they needed more. He complimented the Clinton example of saying there were separate, you know, you had a separate group dealing with scandal, basically, so the government could function. You know, and th- this White House doesn't operate that way. It seems like Donald Trump's but orchestrating the investigation himself. Well, but that's because we wanted to minimize the investigative impact and downplay it so that the president could focus on the positive agenda. That's not what this administration wants to do. They want everybody focused on subpoenas and possible impeachment. And when people start backing off on impeachment, the president ratchets it up again. And that's that's the purpose. That's, you know, so so that people aren't paying attention to all the other things that they're trying to accomplish. But, but, do, but do you think, though, for this moment, they want impeachment because it keeps, you know, the engine up on the base. But do you think they even realize how aggressive an impeachment hearing would be and how many stones it would overturn as that was going on? Maybe it's a game of chicken. I don't I don't know. It's it's a tough and it does, you know, as we've seen, it does open the door to permitting uh, or giving the courts an, an opportunity to permit greater discovery. But by the time we get into that land, we're going to be well into the 2020. 2020. I, I was going to ask right. you about that. I mean, in college basketball, coaches are, are rated on are clock Are you really going to do a management. sports analogy <laughs> with yeah, me? <laughs> you know, I, well, clock management. So there is there are four quarters in a game, and, and how are the Democrats on the Hill doing with their own clock management? Do they have time to do what they need to do to achieve what they want to achieve in this current – on the schedule and the pace that they're on right now? I don't, th- I don't think they do. I don't, I don't think – that's why I think that they've, that they've proceeded to join the issue on some of these subpoenas and the obstruction issues because they can't afford to wait. They're trying to speed it up, and that may account for – you know, or or result in having chosen some poor, poor cases on which to test. So the time constraints really benefit the White House in this scenario right now, just because they can drag this into the campaign season, or is that are there advantages to the Democrats by having this dragged into the campaign season? I don't think there's any advantage to the Democrats. I think this is all part of the the Republican strategy, and I think it's you know I think it's smart. And do you worry, I mean, you're a very fair-minded attorney and lawyer, that the tax return request, maybe in this, doesn't have enough of a predicate for them to ask for his tax returns? I mean, what what reason do we have? Yeah, we think he lies about his money. Barbara Comstock said on this podcast that they thought during the Clinton times we couldn't ask for the tax returns or subpoena the tax returns because they thought it seemed too Nixonian. I find that odd because they released their tax returns. What is she talking about? President Clinton didn't put out his tax returns in 1992. It was only after 
94 he put out 94 years worth and then it, it was a, it, and after the oversight if you actually okay. look at the text she she technically is correct but careful but we had, lawyer we had to check no, that yeah. no but but once again though i think it's what you said earlier though it's the idea that there were threats maybe made but no one wanted to follow through on the threat and there was always compromise and then the clinton the, the clinton's put out all 14 years although of tax the law returns. as it's written right now really favors congress heavily it doesn't it doesn't even require a subpoena. It says that they can, that specific members of Congress can make the request to the IRS. They don't have to provide a reason. They just can make it on demand, and the IRS is supposed to turn it over. I wonder if there's some fear of having that law constrained or dialed back if it's if it goes in front of a court, an unfriendly court. I don't know. I keep yeah. seeing reference to the words that the IRS shall. Mm. Uh, produce the, 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 the records. But I know there's been a lot of legal research done on what would constitute an appropriate request, but I'm, it's not my, I don't know that. Uh, just going back to something you said earlier about how um, you were able to negotiate with the other side of the aisle when it came to Capitol Hill. Do you think at this point, because of the fact of the way things have gone, that nothing's been turned over, we don't want to comply with this, we're not going to respond to that, um, is the relationship too fractured at this point to actually get anything done or get the train back on tracks? Because if they were to head towards an impeachment hearing and you said to try to you know, curry favor with the relationships they built, it seems like they've taken any possible relationship and set the blaze at this point. I don't know. You should ask Barbara Comstock that question. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we... We had a very fractious relationship with that House Oversight Committee and the staff. It was a difficult, difficult back and forth. And well, how'd, know, you, how'd you make it work, though? Well, you know, a lot of it was the tactics that you see now. The White House slow walks the response. You know, my approach was always to try and avoid joining the issue, always keep the negotiation open so that they can never issue their press release saying, you know, White House hiding A, B, or C. That was, that was uh, part of a, a strategy, and it frustrated them. But they, we always came to some sort of an accommodation at some point where they wanted, they wanted the information badly enough that they were willing to compromise to some extent in order to get it in a timely way or a way that suited their time clock. And we were successful in slow walking it sufficiently so that they were pressed into compromise. It's a dance. And, you know, you do it, you try and keep good humor and good relationships about it, but it can get very, very tense. Well, I also say a lot of the, t the big difference, too, is unlike in the Clinton days, President Clinton stayed out of it in some ways. Here, President Trump is is orchestrating the whole thing is orchestrating the whole battle president clinton left it to surrogates like yourself to deal with it uh so that's why i think it's a whole different animal well it is it's i think it it took a little while to get that team to work because the president the first lady needed to have confidence that the issues were under control that it was that this team that we had established in the white house could actually handle it all and once they had confidence, then they they really, they really let go, and we ran it. Uh, 
I don't think this president has the capacity to do that. He's too impulsive. Where you see this headed, I mean, the subpoena fight in particular, setting aside the impeachment question, your sense of the courts and how they're going to parse through all these subpoena demands from Congress and, and the blanket refusals from the White House, where does this end up, do you think? What's your crystal ball show you? I think, ultimately, the Congress has very broad oversight authority and that the Trump administration will be compelled to produce at least a substantial portion of what the Congress has requested. But I think it could take a very long time and become essentially irrelevant to any real political outcome in this, in this battle. Jane, thank you very much for coming. It was great to see you again. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Please be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a rating. Thanks to our producers, Caitlin Fulmer, Trevor Hastings, and Shannon Crawford, and to my colleagues, Matt Mosk and John Santucci. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Investigation. The Investigation.